I'm JG Michael, and this is Parallax Views. Hey there, Parallax Views listeners. Got a little bit of bonus content for you. Lately, my bonus content has been the archived editions of past Parallax Views programs that are no longer available on the main feed and can only be heard exclusively on the Parallaxies Patreon page at the $5 and above tier. But I decided to throw something original out there to my $5 and above tier subscribers. I may release this as an audio version at some point down the line, but until then, this will be exclusive in video format to my Patreon supporters. And I got to tell you, I don't even know how to introduce this. About a month or so ago, I interviewed Ryan Koch and Tyler Kornack of Tiny Cinema. Now, if you don't know about Tiny Cinema, they've been making these short films that sort of walk the line between wacky, absurdist, surrealist humor comedy and straight up terrifying horror. And you know me, I love horror. So I watched some of these videos. There was one in particular that caught my eye, the Tooth Fairy, and was like, whoa, (laughs) this is pretty wild. Uh, Is this meant to be funny? Is this meant to be terrifying? What is going on here? Uh, But Tiny Cinema recently transitioned into feature-length film territory with a very bizarre little movie entitled Butt Boy. Yes, you heard that right, butt boy. And get this, if the title wasn't enough, here's the synopsis. A fellow by the name of Chip becomes addicted to shoving things up his butt, making things disappear up his rectal cavity. And eventually, when children go missing, a detective begins to suspect that Chip is responsible for these children's disappearances because he believes that Chip is making them disappear up his butthole. Not only that, but the detective is in Alcoholics Anonymous and his sponsor is, yes, Chip, the guy he is accusing of shoving things up his butt, including children. Yeah, I have no clue how to introduce uh, this conversation or this movie to you. Uh, It sounds like a movie that shouldn't exist. And what's even weirder is that as ridiculous as it sounds, what's more ridiculous is this movie is basically played completely straight And there's actually some, like, social commentary about the issue of addiction in it. It's not played in that knowing, ha-ha, we're a so-bad-it's-good movie. It's played pretty straight and is pretty well-made, which makes it even more surreal. And I'm a big fan of, like, insane, bizarro surrealism for the sake of it. And uh, this one really hits that spot. And with a title like Butt Boy, I had to see what was up with it. 
So I looked it up on Amazon Prime. Uh, I ended up watching it. It's also on Voodoo and other streaming services. And I was actually pleasantly surprised. Uh, then again, like I said, when I described this movie to people, uh, yeah, I don't know how to sell it to anyone. Because you just mention the title and then you get into the plot and people are like, how does this exist? But, you know, I, I don't know. I, I, I You just... Just give it a watch or listen to this conversation. And then if you like the conversation, give it a watch. I'm at a loss for words at how to really introduce this episode. In fact, you know what I'm going to do? Before we have the conversation, here's a trailer for the movie itself. We'll do that as the lead-in uh, because I don't know what else to say about this movie. So here is the trailer for Butt Boy, followed by my conversation with Ryan Koch and Tyler Kornack of Tiny Cinema, and the duo behind Butt Boy. So what do you do? Detective. You look like every detective ever. Oh, yes. Ow. He's got the, the greasy hair and the, uh, the earring. He's <laughs> good. You look good. What about you? What? What do you do? tragedy strikes Critica County today as law enforcement have yet to make any headway on the missing child that vanished from Kathman Park this morning. So you're asking me to go off this theory you got about a white married male who happens to be a father living in the suburbs of Critica County, who also happens to be your AA sponsor, has been secretly running around, cramming objects, animals, and children up his ass, then he somehow digests them, and he does this in sprays, almost in serial killer fashion. Is that about it? Uh-huh. Welcome to Parallax Views, Tiny Cinema's Ryan Koch and Tyler Kornack, the creators of the, I don't even know how to describe it, uh, crime, cop, sort of 80s throwback, maybe <laughs> a little bit of a comedy, but played straight uh, horror movie, Butt Boy. Uh, that was great. That was, yeah. That's better than we do. <laughs> Well, thank you for having us. 
I and thank you for coming on. This was a very interesting movie. It's streaming on Amazon Prime right now. Uh, but before we get to the movie, maybe you guys can tell us a little bit about yourselves and what Tiny Cinema is. Yeah, I mean, uh, Tiny Cinema is kind of our little company, our little brand. It started out as a as a comedy, sort of a comedy sketch group. We all come from film backgrounds, and it's just a, a bunch of friends we met over the years coming together. And the idea originally behind it was just to, when Instagram turned their videos into a minute, we were kind of overwhelmed by the YouTube presence. It's just so impossible to get a YouTube page going. Uh, it's just very intimidating. There's a lot of stuff out there. So when Instagram did that, we were like, oh, what if we did, rather than making a short film and spending a lot of time on it and going trying to do festivals and getting an audience reaction, what if we challenged ourselves to do like a minute short film every week and build a following and get people to react to that? Um, so it started out as that, almost like an exercise sort of thing. Then it it kind of took a life of its own and we started to figure out our tone a little bit. Actually, starting with Buff Boy was one of the shorts that we had on there. And we found a pretty interesting tone with it. And, you know, a, a little production studio now, which we're just building by the day at this point. So, um, yeah, it's been like, what, three, three years or three and a half. Yeah, three and a half years. We really started it. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, it's just been, uh, you know, it, it was all about making content with people that you know and uh, getting an audience reaction out there. And with the, with the goal intentionally to get to movies, uh, you know, and start making some films, so. So these one minute shorts, um, I'll name a few of them off for listeners. Uh, there's the first one that comes up for me is called Pinata, When You Turn 30, uh, Tooth Fairy, Gift Box, and uh, if you click on these on the YouTube channel, uh, you're in for a surprise. These are, um, I don't know, do you do you describe Tiny Cinema as comedy? Is it horror? What, what sort of genre is this? We, I, I think both. I think we're into uh, remixing genres like and blending. find, yeah, blending things and putting, you know, putting things where they shouldn't necessarily be, but somehow making it work within our own little universe, you know? So yeah, I mean, I think the um, the shorts are definitely more rooted in comedy to us. They're ridiculous. And the idea, again, was even like with meme culture to almost like poke fun at it a little bit, but while simultaneously having a moving meme. Like if you go off of our YouTube and check out our Instagram, there's way more videos on there. And uh, that's kind of where we, um, that's kind of where we would create all this stuff. And then we would put meme font over it and kind of dig into the culture a little bit and uh yeah are you guys influenced uh by anyone in particular with these shorts that you do um like tim and eric stuff like that or is it sort of uh coming from a different place i mean we're fans of everyone we love we love tim and eric we love you know everything from tarantino to tim and eric like you know all over the place just a love for movies and comedy and mixing it all together so yeah we're all over the map Literally everything. Yeah, just kind of finding comedy in weird places, I think, is, like, what we like to do. It's like, okay, this seems like it would be kind of horrific, but how can we kind of make it very darkly humorous, if that, you know, makes sense? Are there any particular shorts that you did? And I, I will get into Butt Boy, but I sort of want to get into yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Tiny Cinema a little bit, because it's a really interesting little project. Uh, how do you guys get an idea for a short? Like, you have some parodies of, of certain movies uh 
you know, it's a wonderful life. You have one called it's a shit life. How do you guys come up with the ideas uh, for these sort of shorts? Do you see like a news article or you watching a movie and say, what if we like change this one aspect of this scene? What is it? How, how do these ideas come about? Yeah, I think that um, it's different every time a little bit, but we talk very, our whole friend circle talks in a very cinematic way. And what I mean by that is we we kind of speak in family family guy flashbacks. So like every conversation we have will go into a cinematic version of it. We always say picture. So we say a oh, picture a shot of, like if, if we're making a joke, I'm like, Ryan, it's like picture a shot of you doing this right now. And it's always kind of been that way. So it really just comes from, talking and hanging out and joking around and uh and yeah it, it just comes from organic conversation really never news articles or anything yeah, like that yeah we don't really try to pull from like current situations and even when i feel like we have or like tried to make something that was topical it didn't go over as better yeah. as the ones is that we're just being goofy yeah we find random is the way to go for us and we kind of just don't think that way yeah it's more of just yeah. an organic uh organic conversation whatever we think is funny and we all share a very dark sensibility and we always have that's what makes all of our everyone we work with kind of on the same page so yeah so with this movie butt boy i guess we have to get into uh for my listeners that haven't seen it like i said it's on amazon prime how would you describe the plot of this movie tyler you're actually uh the star of the show in a lot of ways yeah, yeah, kind of. I don't like to admit that. It's embarrassing. You know this butt boy. Uh, the plot, you know, if you look at it from a surface level, it's, uh, you know, it's a story about addiction, really. Uh, it's about two guys dealing with addiction in different ways and keeping secrets in different ways. And um, But the idea was to make it sort of a trophy, like an homage to all the films we love. So there's a lot of scenes, you know, like heat stuff from the 90s and the 80s and even the 70s paying homage to all those movies while playing it straight like you said but um having an insane narrative behind it and to us the title kind of is the punchline of the joke like we never once winked to the camera but the title itself is a wink to the camera to let the audience know we are we think this is ridiculous what we're doing but uh if you're dry enough you're going to go on the ride and experience it so uh yeah yeah, bit, yeah, right. You know that that's funny. You mentioned Michael Mann's Heat because I actually thought of Michael Mann while watching this, but I, I was oh, thinking okay. of a an '80s movie. I, I you know it's less well known than the other um, Hannibal Lecter movies, but it's called Manhunter. And I was thinking uh, of Manhunter while watching this. <laughs> yeah, totally, totally. And just like with little locations like the diner, you've been in that diner before in a movie. You've seen that a million times. There's different tropes we tried to hit, so you're kind of like comfortable. I've been here before. But what's going on in the story you've never experienced. And it's just crazy. And these guys are acting like it's not crazy, which is a weird juxtaposition that uh, we tried to keep throughout it. Just to create something different, you know? Like, uh, again, with the genre mashing, trying to bring in different, different things that people haven't seen and bring them together and see what happens, you know? So for my listeners, uh, if I can read the basic synopsis on IMDb, uh, Detective Fox loves work and alcohol. After going to AA, his sponsor Chip becomes the main suspect in his investigation of a missing kid. Fox also starts to believe that people are disappearing up Chip's butt. Uh, 
when I have introduced other people to this movie, they're initially like, this, this, first off, this movie can't be real. And the second thing they they say to me is, you know, how can a movie like this not be some like trauma movie? And I've told them, I'm like, no, watch the trailer and then watch the movie. It's done in a very sort of deadpan way. You take it very seriously almost. Right, yeah. yeah. We, we, we had that in mind the entire time. We didn't want it, like even compared to our tiny cinema videos, we knew we would have to make it a little more serious to sustain a full movie. We didn't want to make a goofy fart joke, silly movie. We wanted to make something, like I said, just different. And uh, the, to us, the drier it is, I think the funnier it is. Yeah, I feel like if it was kind of like a jokey fart poop movie, then people would have tapped out earlier on. Because I feel like once you kind of have that joke in there, you're like, all right, well, this is all this is. But like, if you really play it serious, like you're kind of um, changing people's expectations. And I think people, a lot of people might go into it thinking that, and then you're like, whoa, this is something different, completely different. So you're challenging expectations. And I think that's kind of what we really wanted to do. That's what we love in movies yeah. too. When we, we, when we all watch films and it's something you don't expect. And we've been hearing, you know, the entire time, the movie's very split down the middle with people. It's like they either, it goes, people don't understand it or it's, uh, they really get what we were trying to do, which is exactly what we wanted to happen. And, uh, and yeah, it's been interesting. I mean, it's it's basically like an 80s cop thriller. And there's like very obvious nods to that, especially the uh, opening credit sequence and, you know, the the Keller palette, uh, mm -hmm. the, the sort of lighting, the neon sort of feel to it. Um, was that very intentional? Yeah, that was all intentional. Uh, grimy. Again, just paying homage to all those all those movies that we love that are sort of like that. Like even the title sequence, we wanted it to have like an old set that was more 70s, of a 70s nod yeah. to like old Scorsese crime stuff and uh you know everything yeah everything was kind of intentional in that regard and also just budget wise we, we we had a certain amount of lights that we could throw up so you know it's just working with what you've got and creating a look out of that and it actually worked in our favor I think like all mm -hmm. the night stuff where it's a, a the cat and mouse game of the detective chasing me around. Uh, there's like five people there shooting that, and it's all guerrilla. Mm -hmm. We went out and did it with no permits or anything, and we just made it happen because that's what we had to do. But it gives a griminess to it, which I've learned to love. You know, it's like it, it feels like those old '70s movies a little bit, uh, which is cool. You know, you know what? If you could, I, I'd like to talk about that a little bit uh, more if we could, because. Um... You know, there's a movie I really like from 1968 called Targets with Boris Karloff and Peter Bogdanovich directed it. It was before he, you know, did the last picture show. And he actually did a lot of the scenes without a permit. Uh, <laughs> and that can be, yeah, that can be very uh, nerve wracking from what I understand. Uh, were you guys just like throwing caution to the wind? Was there concerned over, over that? Well, because of Tiny Cinema, we've been doing that for years. So we know a lot of tricks and uh, yeah, I mean, it's always very stressful, but like the, the like for instance, the train, when I'm running next to that train, oh, yeah. that yeah. shot, we had to wait for that train to come and we didn't have permits to be there. And we had a larger crew and we had, we had to we shut down. We yeah, yeah, the police showed up and they were actually really cool. They called the place that reported us and tried to convince them to let us keep shooting, but we had to leave and come back with less people and, and figure that out. So you always bump into that stuff. But for the most part, for the most part, if you're a small crew, you really don't bump into it. You'd be surprised on what, how little 
people say things. So we knew that we would try to keep the, the crew smaller. I mean, on a film previously to this or a, a, a series rather that we were shooting, um, we've been, we robbed a liquor store and somebody thought we were actually robbing it. The LAPD showed up with guns drawn on us and we've had to come out and it was hilarious, but scary. And uh, so we've been through all that stuff. And, um, you know, as production grows, we're trying, we're trying to get more and more permits as we <laughs> yeah. go. But, uh, you know, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's, sounds like a crazy story. It's crazy. I have it on <laughs> film too. <laughs> so how do you guys end up coming with, coming up with uh, the idea for butt boy is there just like a, a spark of creativity that you guys had was it just talking and having beers and you're like wouldn't it be interesting if we made a movie uh, about a cop chasing a guy who was shoving people up his ass yeah well it's, it was kind of like that yeah um the beer one but we butt boy was one of our shorts on tiny cinema and we always loved the tone and it did really well online weirdly and we were like oh people are kind of liking this and then uh, Bill, the other guy that we work with, he shoots all of our stuff. We would always talk about extending it into like a series sort of thing to carry on the butt boy tale, um, the story, and just let it grow. And that's kind of how we came up with the crazy ending. And then Ryan and, I, Ryan and I were out for drinks at one point, and I was working on another screenplay, and we were both working on different things. And uh, Ryan just said, you know, what if we turn this in? To a feature what if we just made butt boy feature and it was that beer moment where like Whoa. it just clicked and we saw it very clearly of what it could be because we had already been kind of talking about it and uh how we get to extend you know extend the universe and the characters and bring in different people and all that stuff so yeah we ended up writing it pretty quickly you know the script isn't poetry by any means it was very <laughs> much like we knew hey we could shoot at this location for this cheap so let's write a scene there and let's write a scene there. And that kind of crafted the story. And uh, yeah, that was it. It's interesting too, because really the, the only criticism I've really seen of the movie is I'll see people say, oh, it, it took too long uh, for the action to pick up. And I, I actually like that about it. You actually do this, yeah. oh, you know, good. big build and sort of slow burn and character right. development. Was that very intentional? Yeah, I think so. I mean, we went through a lot of, we cut out a lot of the movie too. Like we had some scenes that were um, too funny almost. So we had some silly scenes where it was like, no, we got to stick to our guns and play this straight. And it was just getting ridiculous. So there was a lot discovered in the editing room. But yeah, on paper, you know, that middle section is supposed to be a slow burn to build up to what happens in the end. And we always love that in films. Uh, you know, those are my, me personally, those are my favorite yeah. kind of movies. What kind of you, films, uh, for example? Um, I'm trying to think off the top like of my head. Like society. Yeah. The, off at the end. Yeah, a lot of 80s stuff. Um, Did you say society, the, the Brian Eisner yeah, movie? Yeah. I love that one. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So you know that ending, right? We talked about that a lot while making it. Um, yeah, the, the shunting, right? Is the, yeah, is the big well, climax. The, the big red ending with the guts and all that yeah, stuff. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, and you're kind of watching the story and you're, I, I don't know, we, we personally like it. So yeah, I mean, just to answer your question in a shorter way, it, it was all intentional, all of that stuff. So, um, and again, to 70s films, you know, you name any film from the 70s, you know, in the golden era, as I call it, they all have that, that pace. And then something happens in the end where it kind of brings you together. So, again, it was a nod towards all of that stuff. Especially because we knew at the end that 
it was so ridiculous and over the top that if you just kind of did kind of went there halfway through, it didn't feel as earned. You know, it was almost like we just wanted to kind of earn that ridiculous ending. Like literally, I don't want to spoil it for the listeners, but like going where we did, we knew that it would be worth it if you hung on. Yeah. Well, that, that's what's interesting to me about it is I think a lot of people would go in expecting like a trauma type movie, like Lloyd Kaufman, Toxic Avenger. But really, I, I would say the only thing that really comes off that way is maybe the 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 finale, so to speak, uh, right. for like yeah. a few seconds, you know, or yeah. a, like a scene's worth. Uh, but other than that, it's 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 a completely different movie than what people would expect. Oh, right. That's good to hear. That's what we want. That's exactly what we want. <laughs> so in terms of, is it okay to talk about um, the budget and the crew? Because yeah. Yeah, some yeah. filmmakers I know are like, oh, if people think that it was low budget, they won't want to watch it. But I'm always interested in the trials and sort of tribulations of making a film on a budget with a small crew. Do you have any specific stories you can tell about the process? Plenty. <laughs> yeah we have plenty but again we we've been doing this for a while as far as like the no permits and stuff like that so we wrote into the script knowing how grill this was going to be we knew the locations in mind but with that there was a lot of stuff that happened along the way i mean where we shot in the cave alone we actually did have permits for that right yeah yeah, yeah. We but had um we shot that stuff it was 106 degrees and all that shooting stuff we had kids there was it was a challenge we would be there till five in the morning and it would be cool with the parents and we just had to get that was i mean that was my favorite part of the shoot but also the most grueling and uh every location was kind of an under the table negotiation besides the film la ones like that so the laser tag place right we had to pay we had to shout them out on our instagram page in order to get a deal to make them cut way down and uh the smoke alarms went off while we were shooting and the fire department showed up and that could have been a fee. And there's like every little place, it's kind of foggy now, but every little place had its challenges. The office was an abandoned office that was about to, yeah, it was, it was the last week of filming in being able to film there. It was going to become a real office again. So we just got in there in the nick of time. And uh, yeah, it's just like, we're literally dealing with the same thing right now because we're about to go into another project and it's just making phone calls and figuring out, what can we do to get around, you know, what can, who can we pay enough for them to not be able to reject the money? Because everybody needs a little bit of money if you pay them under the table. So we we try to just do things that way. And it's the only way we know, really, because we never have enough money to do it properly. Um, so literally every location, I would say, with the exception of Chip's house, it was a friend of ours. It was their house. So, um, yeah. Brian, do you have any uh, stories from the, the set or... Oh, I mean, it was just super low budget. So everyone was just kind of wearing multiple hats. We had like um, our editor, Austin, who was helping with kind of more of the the uh, visual effects, you know, like the hand, the fingers. Uh, we built the asshole all together, the giant asshole that you see. Um, yeah, I think it was just literally having a group of committed friends and, you know, colleagues that really saw the potential in what we wanted to do and that we're on board, like, no matter what. You know, it was not about the money for them. It was just about making something unique. And I feel like that's really why, I think you can see that in the film a lot of ways, that, like, 
it is kind of a labor of love and like between every department you can kind of tell like oh this this is like someone that really cared about this it wasn't like for the money so um i really i I was gonna say in in that regard when i've mentioned this movie to people i think a lot of people are scared away when you describe the the plot to them at first they're like whoa that that's like maybe a little bit too out there for me and i'm like no you have to be adventurous give give it a watch give it a watch but it's definitely not a concept that is necessarily going to be super commercial for people yeah yeah Yeah. i mean i think that we knew that and um just because of the angle we wanted to take it uh we knew that there was going to be a lot of people turned off but the people that truly got it were like really what mattered to us it's like okay like we found the audience we found the people that we knew that we're going to like it and the people that like it actually love it, which is like really, you know, what more could we ask for at the end of the day? So, so in regards to the budget itself, um, you know, I've, I've had a few different directors on. I just had on, um, Vince, uh, Vincent DeSanti who did a, uh, Friday the 13th fan film with actually actors. Oh, the, alone, alone in the woods or something? Uh, yeah, Never Hike in, Alone in the Woods. Alone never Hike in the Woods. Did you see it, that? Uh, no, but I, I, well, I saw clips of it because it was like on this YouTube video I was watching and they were talking about it. But it yeah. looks incredibly professionally yeah. done. And when I talked to him, he said, yeah, we, we did it on like, uh, I, I forget what the number was, but it was less than a million um, do you have like a ballpark for how much this uh, cost? We had four million dollars for it. No, I'm just kidding. We had <laughs> we had hundred and fifty thousand dollars. Really? To, for production. For production, and then post it went up a little bit because we had to color it and add, we had we had a little bit of CGI, believe it or not, in yeah. the cave, and uh, and yeah, just editing, you know. So yeah, it was around. It probably it was around two hundred. Yeah, all said and done, it was probably about 200000 But that was just literally everyone kind of working for... Nothing. Like, nothing. I mean, we, we you know, obviously paid everyone that... We paid everyone the minimum that we were allowed to pay them. That we could possibly do it to get away with it, basically. It's always been interesting to me. I used to watch, like, a lot of low-budget direct-to-video stuff in the 2000s. And the mm-hmm. stuff did not look that good back then. But now... I feel like you can make a movie on a really low budget and with these red cameras and, and all these other, uh, you know, filming equipment, you can make something that looks like a big budget film. Yeah, you can. I mean, I think that we did, I think it looks a little bit more expensive than what we actually did. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, we're proud of that. You know, it's like, uh, I mean, again, the tiny cinema thing was such great exercise for so long where you learn all these tricks and things you can do to make it look a little bit bigger. So, um, yeah, we had that on our side. And, we, I mean, we're in the middle of it again right now, yeah. and we are we have a low budget again. So, And it's funny, this time around, I feel like we're better at it because yeah. of what we did with Butt Boy. We know Perfect even fun. more tricks along the way. Mm-hmm. And so, we're like, what, what, what would one of those tricks be? Um, it's just phone calls, knowing what to say in a negotiation. Yeah, I think negotiating is a big – like, especially with locations, we find, like – we're like, well, we only have this much. And they're like, well, it's this much to rent it. I'm like, well, do you do you, do you want, want the money or not? Yeah. Because it's just sitting dormant. So it's either you can collect this money by literally doing nothing or just let it sit and not get money. So like we especially now with like in the current climate, I feel like using that as like a leverage that not a lot of people are filming right now. So we have like room to negotiate. Like, well, we have X amount. Like, can you make it work or not? Yeah, like restaurants need money right now. So we're like calling restaurants yeah. and and, uh, and talking to them. And I also think that 
are uh, because we've gone through bubble, we're a little bit calmer about it all. Like we're not as stressed out all the time about it. It's yeah. more like you have a list of things to do. Let's just make the phone calls. Let's just do all that stuff. And uh, we knock a lot more out now because we're not, we're like, oh, we can actually achieve our goal here. Yeah, With yeah. Butt Boy, is like, I hope this fucking works. <laughs> the whole time we're like, uh, every time like product, like a day production ran smoothly. It was a great set. Like it was always great vibes. But like every time we finish a day, I'm like, okay, cool. Thank God, because it was got just it. such like a big taking for such a small amount of people. And and I think, yeah, every day we're just like, all right. And we always try to keep a fun, relaxed set, like have everyone happy working on it, especially because it was low budget. But yeah, it was just like, okay, we got it. Even yeah. the gorilla stuff. So So I wanna I wanna get into some of the stuff you guys are working on now, but there were there were just a few more questions with regards to Butt Boy. And uh I preface this with uh you know, I, I wanted to talk a little bit about the third act, so I don't want to spoil it for anyone. Uh, mm -hmm. If they want to pause here and watch it, uh, the third act takes place inside the character Chip's butthole. Um, <laughs> how do you guys manage to create that sort of world? Um, like, are you storyboarding it? What, what's going on there? And it really is, it, it's a good payoff uh, because you're building up and then the third act, uh, the like last, what, maybe 20, 30 minutes, uh, really yeah. involved this sort of sci-fi element. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, we knew ahead of time that was going to be the jump for people. Some people were going to jump ship at that point because uh, we knew we wanted to take it there. Yeah. At the beginning, like, from the beginning, that was our end goal to get there. Uh, and, yeah, I mean, we talked about so many different things. We did storyboard it shot for shot. So mm -hmm. that was shot at the Bronson Bat Caves in Hollywood. And uh, it's just right up in... The Griffith Park area. It's a trail you take up, and I would always walk. Yeah, a lot, a lot of those old sci-fi B movies were filmed there back in like the. 50s. A lot of yeah. stuff, yeah, and still to this day, you'll see. Oh yeah. Now, now that we've shot uh, there, we know. Palm Springs. Yeah, that movie Palm Springs was just shot there. Um, so, yeah, we we knew that was there, and that was our, that was uh, you know, that was old Adam West, uh, his Batman. That was his Batcave too, which I always love saying. But uh, yeah, it was like that location was what was the question again i forgot the question it was just uh how we took it there like oh yeah yeah oh yeah yeah we knew we were going to do it in a cave i think yeah we talked about some other things we had a full the blue stuff that chip drinks and it comes through or in the original <laughs> script overly ambitiously it was pepto bismol and we were like it was a wave. we're gonna have a wave and a river of pepto chasing them i was like dude we, have we like, can't there's no way we, we can. have three grand left. yeah i was like there's no way we can make this so yeah we had to do that last minute rewrite and uh yeah i mean but we always knew we wanted to go there and the red lighting uh something to brag for joel and bill who do all of our camera stuff that i always tell people is we had no power up there either so you have to Keep in mind, we were there for, what, five days? Five, yeah. Yeah, five <laughs> nights, no power. So everything was solar-powered. So all that red stuff you see, we had, like, a chargeable system where batteries were being swapped out and coming in and uh, just little tiny red lights we would throw all over the cave and uh, and make it work. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think also, too, for the third act, it was, like, you would get to a point where, you'd be like, okay, well, what is happening to the things that are going up his butt? Because you can only suspend your disbelief for so long and i feel like if that wasn't answered <laughs> yeah it, it would have been i think people it, 
it would leave an even worse taste in people's mouths. So it was almost for us, we were like, we have to take it there. And that becomes a joke yeah, on its exactly. own. It's like, yeah. it's ridiculous that we go there. It's another <laughs> yeah. reminder that this is all a fucking a joke. joke. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's funny though, because even the jokes are sort of played with this deadpan tone. I mean, once you're inside the butthole, there's one scene where, you know, one of the, one of the uh, refugees within the butt says uh it's a fart and yeah. it's played completely straight though are you yeah. do you have to sort of coach the actors like we're, we're playing this completely straight where they that, sort of in on what you want it for that i just referenced uh or spielberg or goonies yeah. that kind of scene so it's that that push in on the steady cam and the kid said that we did it like what four times yeah and i just said to the kid open your eyes wide and uh go for it and uh, but the idea with the crew was to do a spielberg kind of moment there where it was like an adventure film. Here we go. This is going to be a ride moment, you know? It's kind of interesting, too, because uh, there are sort of like, I guess there is one big question that is uh, left out at the end, which is like, how do these things get stuck uh, up his butthole? Uh, we know the but answer to that, but we can't tell you. <laughs> I'm just kidding. We don't know. Yeah. We don't know. Honestly, it was just, to us, it was a comedy at that point. Uh, but, well, that's what I like about it. It sort of has a surrealist element to it. Right. You have to – and that's what I mean. I mean, some people aren't able to get past that when they watch it. They, it bothers them so much. Yeah, you either accept it or you don't. Or they love where we went with it. Yeah. It's, a, it's an extreme answer at the end. So uh, – and we knew it would be. That was, that was so scary mm -hmm. to film that because it was like, dude, is this going to – we're in a cave with red lights. Is this going to work? Like, you know. Yeah. Um, but, yeah. <laughs> so what led you to take on the uh... – the character of Chip, uh, the the you butthole know, murderer. <laughs> you know, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I think it's the deadpan. Yeah, just, just the deadpan. Yeah. I'm, I'm really capable of doing like a few things as an actor, and this character just so happened to be deadpan. I played him in the short. Yeah, and it made sense. We talked about for a little bit getting somebody else, but it was just like, oh, I'll just do it because I would rehearse with right. uh, Tyler yeah. Rice, who's and, also been in a bunch of of the tiny cinema yeah. Uh, yeah. shorts, and also I thought he was very, very good in this. Oh, yeah, thank he's, you. He's a good actor. Um, yeah. I think it was, they just had such a good dynamic regardless. They've been working together for so long. And I think it just felt a little more comfortable for all of us to have Tyler Pornak play the character just because we knew that he could do it. And with, like, another actor, we're like, will they get it? Will they want to do it? You know, like, we also budgetary reasons as well. Mm -hmm. And we knew that he was fully capable of playing it. Like, we knew that he could do it, so... Yeah, you know, it was. I think that was like a big. Yeah, and my my only thing with it was it did be, it, it got over. I did like we worked on storyboards and prepped a lot before because I was going to be in it. And I'm, you know, I don't see myself as one. I don't really ever want to do it again, even though I am acting and something small that we're doing. Yeah. But I don't really want to ever do that again. It was just kind of like out of necessity, like Ryan was saying, and uh, it it did in parts take away from the directing a little bit because I would have to focus on the scene just from an acting point of view and try to hit all the points I was trying to get. But, um, but yeah, it was, it was, uh, it was fun at the end of the day. Yeah. You know? I, I like how you approach the character in, in almost like this. Uh, I don't, I don't know how to describe Chip. He's, he's sort of a uh, very that's, awkward, but almost like catatonic at times. Like he's just not there. Said, that's a description <laughs> in the script. Catatonic. Yeah. Oh, really? Really? So yeah. that was, that was always in there. Yeah. Yeah, that was always in there, just kind of like in, you know, we wanted a redundancy to kind of occur, the the redundancy that comes, I mean, not to get too artsy or, you know, up our own ass, but like, 
uh, a redundancy in his life, a cycle that keeps going that kind of represents the addiction that he's dealing with. And it's kind of the same thing over and over again in this cycle of these slow motion images and him dealing with his wife or whatever it is. And he's kind of seeing everything in slow motion and repeats, repeats, repeats until he finally breaks, which is kind of at the diner when it reinstates, oh, that was great. That was a great feeling. Like it would be with heroin or anything else. Like he has that moment where it's like, God, that's when I was the happiest. That's when I did my thing. And then he breaks down and it snowballs from there, you know? So it's funny you mentioned you didn't want to get too artsy with it. I actually did want to ask you about like some of the, I don't know, the, the thematic elements. Because I don't, I don't think it's just, um, there is a thematic element of addiction there that I think actually is played very well and very straight. Uh, yeah. What made you want to tackle that as a theme, this theme of addiction? Because both Tyler, the detective, and Chip are, are struggling with addiction. It's a very serious you know, topic, especially really in particular. I think it's just it because works. the short, what he's doing, yeah. he becomes addicted to, right? So he becomes addicted to putting things up his butt. So there it is. That's that's our elevator pitch. Yeah. So the story needs to innately just kind of became that. It's going to be about yeah, addiction. Snowballed off yeah. That a lot. It's just going to become about addiction because there it is. It's right there. So let's make a, let's make you know another layer to it. Just happens to deal with addiction in this weird universe, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I well, I, th- I think it's apropos too for you know current times. I mean, we have an opioid crisis in America. I mean, I guess yeah. now COVID is has sort of overtaken uh, all the crises, but you know, addiction is sort of a crisis right now in America. And I thought okay. the way you deal with addiction is really interesting in the movie. Oh, thank you, thank you very much. Yeah, we didn't. I don't think like our intention was ever to like poke fun at it or anything, but just make it very real. Yeah, know? and really like. It could, however people want to look at it, like, how, whatever they want to pull from it, if they want to pull anything from it, like, what they got from it, I think we just kind of wanted to leave that a little bit open, but still, you know, have it play very real in that mm-hmm. sense. Well, that that's the thing that I think makes the movie stand out, is, um, you know, it is a comedy, but I think the, the characters, they are, like, they aren't just simple caricatures, in a way. I mean, they're you sort of get attached to them in ways and there is a lot of development uh, put into the characters. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you. That's what we were going for. I mean, Tyler Rice, uh, you know, he was reading, <laughs> he, he goes all out. I mean, I'll, I'll give it to the guy. He goes 110% in anything he does. And, uh, you know, he did research into old 70s crime novels and all of that stuff. And like, that with out. knowing that we're kind of playing a cliche kind of guy there, but, uh, he really put the legwork in with all that stuff. And it, it, the idea was to kind of have him contrast with my dry and the only thing I'm capable of really doing as an actor, have him be a little bit more cartoonish uh, against this real dry guy and a little bit larger and have them contrast with having a dynamic, not chemistry, but a dynamic. Like we kind of wanted them to have nothing in common, mm-hmm. but they're still in the same world and dealing with each other, you know? Yeah, Ru- Russell is sort of like the... Uh the Dr. Loomis to the Michael Myers of Chip. Yeah, yeah, that's great. That's a great reference. <laughs> so I, I guess uh, the last thing I wanted to ask about uh, Butt Boy was, was there any attempts? Did you guys self-distribute this? Did you have trouble pitching it maybe to distributors? or? You know, when we finished the film, we were like, let's put it in a festival. And almost as a joke, because it was the only festival <laughs> yeah, that was open, time. Yeah. was Toronto. 
Yeah. And uh, we sent it to them just to see what they would say because they do, you know, they do Mid the midnight. Yeah, they had the midnight, midnight madness. madness. We thought maybe we have a chance. And now this might be a little too far left. But what ended up happening was a judge from that was also a judge of Fantastic Fest in Austin. And uh, he got us into the festival of Fantastic Fest. So we ended up premiering there. And that was it. We applied to one festival and it snowballed from there. And at the festival, we got distribution, which is great, from uh, Epic Pictures. Mm -hmm. And they're doing our next project as well. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, they're a small, great little company here in Hollywood, and they do a lot of horror. They're rooted in horror, but they branch out. They're all over the place, and uh, they've been great. So we have an ongoing relationship with them, and they're funding our new project now, which is great. So we have distribution for that as well. But, um, but yeah, it was a pleasant surprise. We yeah. got so much out of that festival. It's crazy. We had a theatrical release at one point at, at all the Alamo draft houses in the country, just for like a midnight movie kind of fun experience, but the COVID, COVID yeah. wiped it out. But um, yeah, we got a lot from that. We got new management from that. You know, we met a lot of people and uh, it got a lot of buzz down in Austin, which was really cool. You know, people always ask me, they're like, how do you find these like sort of quality genre films uh, that aren't like mainstream? And I'm like, I, Usually they're just movies from TIFF or Fantastic Fest or Monster <laughs> right, Fest. Yeah. Usually, if you can get into those festivals, I think a lot of times it's a uh, a sale of quality. Right. Well, thank you. And I think we, I mean, that was such a cool, we had never been there. Yeah. I've been to one, I think I, maybe I didn't even go to an Alamo Draft House before, but just the environment there and the love of movies and everybody in the crowd. It's our people, you know, it's like everybody there was kind of, Love cinema. Loves <laughs> movies yeah. and the same kind of movies that we love and really into genre. And that's what Fantastic Fest is all about is genre. So I think that's why they took a liking to it. And uh, it was a great experience. What was the reaction like on the festival circuit? I mean, I, I'm sure there were really good responses and some like, what? Yeah, it was um, it did nothing but good for us. Yeah. I mean, there was buzz. The title does a lot of work for you. So like, there's like- four screenings. Yeah, we sold out at Fantastic Fests, uh, four theaters, which was crazy on the opening night. And then I think it screened a few other times yeah. and did really well too. So um, yeah, I that one in particular, we haven't been to any of the other ones because of COVID, but we're still in festivals. I think we're in Italy right now. Mm -hmm. It's still going around there with, you know, I don't know if it's that that's for foreign distribution or what, but um, yeah, it's it, it was made for a certain, it's, as far as genre horror festivals go it does really well there and people love it and it's a fun midnight movie screening it's really fun in the theater too yeah and uh yeah so i i guess what was the best reaction you got at a festival to it did, did you have anyone that uh spoke to you about what they thought of the film um you know what we only been to that one we went yeah. to one screening what we were hearing from the pr people was there was a shit ton of buzz about it. And we kept hearing that. We didn't really talk to that Ari many people Aster. specifically. Yeah, like Ari Aster was there and sat right in front of me in the, at the premiere of it, which was really cool. And uh, yeah, I mean, we just, we were kind of in and out, but we were just hearing it's doing really well. It's like people were just, there was a lot of buzz about it. And when you make a small movie like this, that's all you can hope for. That's exactly what we wanted to happen. And it, we got more buzz than I think we, we yeah. thought we were going to, just in with the release and everything. We were like worried, I think like by the time we finished it, not that we weren't proud of the product by any stretch, but we were like, will this get into festivals? Like, I think yeah. we were just like, is this too much for people? We were hoping 
that we were going to be able to get it into something like Fan Hazard Fest. And I mean, and it did, and we couldn't have been more grateful. Yeah, here's what it is, too. Like, when you make something weird that's out of the ordinary, it's so exciting at first, and you feel so accomplished when you're done. But then you go through ups and downs through editing it, and you're like, this is so weird. Are people going to understand this? When you're sitting in a theater, it becomes a lot less cool to be like, all of a sudden you're freaking out. Like, we should have just done like a Will Ferrell comedy. We should have just, we should have <laughs> just made stupid comedy yeah, and yeah. start second guessing yourself. Yeah. But ultimately, it's like the coolest thing in the world to have people respond positively to it. It's like when people really get what you were trying to do and, and it was out there and they really connected with it. So, oh, that's what it's all about. Like, that, that's exactly what you want, you know? So, in regards to what you guys are working on now, What's the big project next for Tiny Cinema? It's exactly that. It's called Tiny Cinema. So we're doing a Tiny Cinema movie now. That's what, that's what it's going to be called. Uh, it will be called Tiny Cinema, but yeah. movie, you know, we have, it's the movie version of it. So, yeah, what it is is we're kind of doing – it's a little bit sillier and a little, a little bit uh, – I, I don't want to say mainstream, but it's a little bit more funny, laugh-out-loud funny – uh, again, going back to the tone of our videos, but what we're doing is it's, it's six chapters in an anthology film, all taking place in the same world as Buck Boy took place, but it's all these different stories of these little weird things that go on in this universe, and they jump in and out of each other, uh, much like Twilight Zone, and it has a host who kind of guides you through this world, and you come in and out of these different chapters. Is that Paul Ford that's hosting it? Yes. yes. Yeah. Okay. Who who is Paul, Paul Ford for my listeners? Uh, I, we just know him as an actor. Yeah. He. Okay. I mean, I know he's been in a bunch of other horrors, like little horror movies. I th I'm pretty sure, but we found them on when we were casting for the role, and we just were like, "This is a guy." Like we just knew. And then he read for it, and he's like, "Great." He's like the coolest guy. Yeah, and it's like our twisted version of Rod Sterling. Yeah. Like he's like a weird version, kind of poking fun at that, but also it's it's its own thing. Um. He's amazing. He's so yeah. cool and great. And uh, he's one of the guys now, which is great. So so you said this takes place in the same universe. So they're going to be like references to Butt Boy then? There's little, <laughs> there's little tiny Easter eggs. Yeah. And it's not like if you haven't seen Butt Boy, it won't matter. But um, yeah, there's little things in there. We, did, we decided to, we, connected. we connected to kind of extend the universe a little bit. Uh, little tiny things. There's a, there's a reoccurring character that comes in. But again, it's not crucial to the, the, what we're doing with the stories. Yeah, you, know? you don't need to have seen Butt Boy. Literally, it's just a standalone thing. Yeah, if you enjoyed Butt Boy, you'll notice things in it, yeah. you know? I, I like the whole reoccurring character thing because I, I remember I used to, when I was a kid, I would watch those shows like, um, there was that kids horror anthology, Are You Afraid of the Dark? Which mm -hmm. would have that's like reoccurring characters throughout the series, like the one- That's uh, a big reference yeah. for what we're doing. Yeah. Oh, okay, an adult, okay. An adult version of that, yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah, because there was the one character who was like a, a sort of corny, like, con man magician character, but he would show up in multiple episodes, so there's right. like these callbacks to each episode. We have a little bit of that in this, yeah, we have that, and then, yeah, some Butt Boy characters come in, and then some people in Butt Boy are playing different characters in a different story, you know, so it's all that stuff. Now, this is different than the Tiny Cinema Shorts, because... You know, this is a feature-length film, and I'm assuming the stories aren't going to be, uh, like, a minute long. No. no, no. They're around, I mean, like, the shortest we have right now is, like, 11 minutes. Like, they're short films, you know? They're all short films. One might end up being shorter than that, but, like, the longest we go is, like, 16 to 18 minutes for some. So it's like our version of Buster Scrubs as well, 
or the Twilight Zone movie from the early 2000s. Like, they all have different lengths, and we just tell the necessary amount of time, and then um, they jump in and out of one another. So, what's it been like trying to put this together during COVID? It's tough. <laughs> yeah, it's it, a it, lot. It, We're it's... really tired, and it's a lot every day. You know, I think some of the stuff too, like the biggest hurdle really is, I think casting some of them. Um, but other than that, like locations haven't been. That's yeah, hard. locations have been smooth. It's just a lot, you know. It's a lot for three dudes to take yeah. on, and like we're literally in the legal. Pro now we have somebody else paying for it, which is great. But it's uh, there's a lot of legality stuff that goes into it. It's a lot more official than what we're used to. Yeah. So we're like just you know getting all that stuff notarized and figuring out uh, you know figuring out all that. So yeah, it's been a lot, but it's kind of fun when you check off your to do list. It feels nice when you get, when you accomplish little goals, you know? So it's one thing at a time. Do you guys think there's going to be, uh, like, is there anything else planned for the tiny cinema universe? Maybe like a, a TV series with longer episodes, anything like that? I feel like, I, I ask because I feel like this is something, uh, you could have tiny cinema, the series, on yeah. like Adult Swim on Cartoon Network. <laughs> We almost got we almost we almost got this to Adult Swim. They were like very close. We we so we shot two of the chapters already as a pilot for a TV series, uh, based off a pitch we had with Adult Swim, and um, they because of COVID and everything going on, all these bigger companies have like they're they're changing their plans constantly and they're doing all this different stuff. So it's a mess in that regard. So we ended up getting the offer from Epic instead. They're like, well, we'll turn it into a movie. So it was planned to be a TV series. And now we have the intention of taking the movie out, depending on what it does, you know, with an audience and making that a pitch for a TV show. So yes, is the answer to the question. That's the, that is the end goal. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I would definitely love to see this on like Adult Swim. I, I feel like it's perfect for that, you know, late night, like maybe stoned a bit. Uh, type totally. Crowd. <laughs> totally. Yeah. And it has a midnight movie feel to it again as well. We we made them pretty cinematic, so. Um, you know, you feel like you're watching little tiny cinemas, you know, <laughs> little movies. Yeah, they all have kind of like horror elements for the most part yeah. in it. Like they're like, again, surreal and out there, but like he was saying, a little bit more comedic, not played as straight, you know. Yeah, there's more laugh out loud moments in it, but still dark, you know. Mm -hmm. It sort of reminds me of, um, I just had Rusty Cundiff on who did the, um, the Tilts from the Hood movies. Oh, oh yeah, and and those sort of have a sort of comedic element while also being kind of you know, it's not like comedy horror, but it is horror comedy, is how I would put it. Right. Yeah, yeah. that's a good way to put it. Yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah. So, oh, go ahead. Sorry. No, no. What were you going to say, Ryan? I was just going to say, yeah, like rooted in different genres. Like again, mashing genres together is kind of what we're what this project is as well. Mm. So before we close out here. Uh, in previewing uh, the the tiny cinema movie, um, is there anything you can tell my listeners about it uh, without spoiling anything? Is there any like keywords uh, for things they should look out for in the movie? I mean, you know, there's some butt boy stuff. So if you see butt boy and like it, uh, or if you it was a little too dry for you, you're gonna enjoy this more. But you liked it, whatever. Uh, what else can we say? Well, we're like half of it are older shorts that we did on like our Instagram and YouTube and those ones we extended then we have three new three newer yeah. ideas that we haven't put out before. So. Yeah. 
So some are based on original ones we've already done and they're yeah. bigger and uh, some are new. Yeah. I don't know what else. What else yeah. can we say? I mean, yeah, it's pretty much. It's wild. Yeah. It's really crazy. It's, it sounds a bit like uh, you may be going for a little bit of a Pulp Fiction type thing where the stories end up interconnecting a little bit. Yeah, they do. They do in some parts. Yeah, some yeah. weird ways. It, it's it's wild. The stories are crazy, so we'll see what happens. Yeah, we're we're um I think we're hoping for another fingers crossed like fantastic fest premiere. I think Epic was hoping. Yeah. That. So that's kind of like what we're hoping for this time next year. You know, so fingers crossed. In in regards to Butt Boy, for my listeners that are, I'm sure I'm going to have at least some listeners that are scratching my head saying. What, I mean, I had people say this to me uh, when I was telling them about it. But why should I see this? This this sounds like it may just be too out there. What would you say to the people that aren't so on I would think go into it blindly. If you like old 90s, 80s, 70s crime thrillers and you like weird stuff, go into it blindly with no expectations and see what you think by the end of it. See if it sits with you, you know? That's what our favorite movies do. Like, regardless of what you think, they kind of just stick around in your head. And, and uh, you know, what the fuck was that sort of thing. And, you know, I wouldn't say too much to them. I would just let them go watch it, you know? Just get them to watch it and see. That's what I always say to people. Yeah, yeah. That's what I've learned from talking to people about it. It's like, don't have the expectation of the title being, those words being what it is. Just go in and watch it and see what you think. Yeah, I mean, if people like, like, that weirdo cult cinema, especially, like, 80s and 90s stuff, like, I'm, I'm a big fan of movies, uh, like... I don't know, like falling down. Although I, I think falling oh, down, people don't yeah. understand it. But you know, falling down is sort of a comedy in ways that people don't realize. But stuff like that, this has a lot in common with. Yeah, so we love falling down. That's a great example. Yeah. We love that movie. If you don't like falling down, don't you're not gonna like our movie. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> anything else you guys want to add uh before we close the show out? Um, anything you're working on or any way that my listeners can keep up with what Tiny Cinema is doing. Yeah, a couple things. So we get a lot of comments on the Butt Boy soundtrack. Uh, Ryan and I also scored the movie while we wrote the script. So we-, we I wanted to ask about that. So are you guys Feathers? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> That's our anonymous band name. <laughs> we didn't, I think there was just like too many like Tyler Cornack, Ryan. Yeah, it felt yeah. obnoxious. So we made up a band name Feathers. But uh, we got a little record deal on it, uh, surprisingly <laughs> from it. And we're putting out a vinyl of that that'll be out. Uh, we, we get a lot of questions about that, weirdly. Early next I want it, I, I actually want the soundtrack now. After uh, watching okay. the movie, I'm like, I need the soundtrack. Yeah, yeah. Well, that'll be coming out. Ship to Shore Records is putting that out. On vinyl. And follow us on our Instagram, uh, tiny underscore cinema. Uh, we'll update everything on there. And I think there's going to be a, we're going to link a, um, a new movie Instagram for the Tiny Cinema movie that's going to be up soon. But, uh, if you want to follow anything we're doing, it's all on there. I was going to say, too, uh, the soundtrack, if people, a lot of my listeners love this, like, synthwave mm -hmm. uh, sort of mm -hmm. renaissance that is happening right now. If you yeah. like synthwave music, stuff like Perturbator or some of the stuff that is in movies like Drive, you will love Butt Boy. Just watch it for the soundtrack alone. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank, thank you. you. Yeah, thank, thank you. you. We're excited about the vinyl. We're pumped about yeah, that. Yeah, I don't think we've ever had anything crossed on vinyl. So just seeing it is going to be kind We're of trying to get the vinyl to be a, a butthole yeah. if they're going to let us, <laughs> you know, the shape of a butthole. And I, I want to say, too, I'm sorry if we didn't get, like, into details about the movie. But this is a movie where you can't really 
for my listeners, I can't give this movie away. You just you have to watch it. That's it. Yeah, and it's on Amazon Prime. So yeah, that's exactly what we say. Just go into it blindly. That's the best way to do it. You got to take it, take it head on. So Instagram, uh, you guys still have a YouTube up. I don't know if you're doing new content for that, but we you don't guys really, have a lot of ways. Yeah, our good our good stuff's on Instagram. So everybody check that out. Um, there's way more than our YouTube, so you can you can see everything on there. Mm-hmm. Well, thanks again, Tyler Kornack and Ryan Koch for coming on Parallax Views. Thank you so much. It was so nice to meet you. Until next time, you've been listening to Parallax Views with Parallax Views to Parallax Views with The way out is not simply to say don't do it. Just to prohibit. If nothing else, if we don't do it, others will be doing it like crazy. So, you know, we have to confront the problem. But no, basically, basically, I'm, I know of the great anxiety problems, new forms of control, but it's also new forms of freedom. This is why I always emphasize that uh, uh, internet and all this new digital stuff it's a very ambiguous phenomenon, but it's the field of struggle. New forms of enslavement, but at the same time, new incredible forms of freedom. We have to accept the fight. With no nostalgia for old, allegedly more authentic communities or whatever. I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid.